Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. All right, we're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler along with Evan Barnard and Arlene All right, you go, Evan. I'm looking at something else over here. Well, we're you know we're between Thanksgiving and Christmas, yeah. And it tis the season. Everyone's starting to have their office Christmas parties and so forth, traveling. And uh, ran across an interesting article: six conversations about money to have with your family over the holidays. So you know, it's you kind of have those cardinal rules, certainly in our. Fam- so you have one, in our extended you have one family, one conversation every two days for the twelve days of Christmas. There you I go. Just, I was just doing uh, math, <laughs> and, and times six people in the family is thirty-two conversations. Oh, stop! Um, you know, you say you don't talk about politics or religion, but very rarely do you end up having a holiday conversation around money, right? I mean, it just doesn't typically happen. Um, interestingly you been enough, in my house, have you? <laughs> what, well, no, I'm joking. No, I, we, I, we really don't. I, well, we do. And so, you, really? you know, part of the American dream experience, we talk about breaking the no talk rule and what you can't talk about constrains you. And very few people do talk about money, certainly intergenerationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of years ago, we started a, a very interesting trend in the family of, when we get together at Christmas, we actually kind of review the the extended family finances and let people know, you know, where the wills are and all this kind of stuff. And you know, I mean, we just kind of revisit all that. Mm. It's it's a little bit maudlin for <laughs> for Christmas Eve. Like, hey, if we die, here's watching what's the gonna Christmas happen. Carol, yeah. and they're going, wait, but, people do die. Uh, but you know, on the positive side, you are going to be together with people that you don't necessarily maybe spend time with. Huh. And so number one was conversations to have with your parents. The author, Amy Arnott, is basically a tweener. She has young, you know, she has 20-year-old kids and she has elderly parents and she and her husband are there, you know, kind of in the middle. A lot of people fit that category. Mm -hmm. Uh, In many families, money is a taboo topic. But as parents or other relatives age, their adult children often get more involved in their financial lives. Some of it is to make sure they don't get scammed. Right. And then some of it is to maintain an awareness. And I think you and Jim even talked about this three or four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Maintain an awareness of their cognitive abilities. Are they starting to have challenges handling money? And as more things, you know, are on an app, on the phone, you know, you're not using cash. Yeah, we have a series of questions that yeah. we actually have that were put <laughs> together by our legal team yeah. to do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and so just have that conversation and, uh, some of these are challenging, but just ask, how are they doing? Do you, you know, mom and dad, am I going to have to take care of you if something happens? Do you have long-term care insurance or, you know, those kind of things. And parents can feel very, very uncomfortable with that conversation. Very uncomfortable. You know, and, Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, and I have conversations with people. I'm just thinking of situations that I've had where somebody feels like that they've made so many bad decisions in their life. Now they're really embarrassed to be dependent upon their kids. And I've had to talk to them about how, you know, these kids have done fairly well because you made some sacrifices when you were younger and they've become more successful as a result of it. 
and you know, trying to reframe that, but it's not an easy thing. I mean, well, you know, when you're in that position where you're dependent upon your kids, that, yeah. that doesn't feel oh, good. Oh, for sure. It takes a lot of courage and humility to talk about it, those things. It with does. Your, uh-huh, with and, your, and you right. do you you do end up having to separate right. what happened. Okay, I made a bad decision, or this or that. Or, you know, you might have lost a job, right. and that consumed a lot of your emergency or, or fund, had a, or had a marriage breakup yeah. for reasons that you know, were like well beyond. That doesn't your mean control. you're a bad person. It just means you lost some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the interesting thing is, if there's a challenge that they're having, mm-hmm. the the adult children really need to know about that early enough so that you can do some estate planning. Maybe you can do some Medicaid planning. Mm-hmm. Or at least start looking for resources to help your parents out, you know, and that kind of stuff. But you have to, you know, it's just none of us are mind readers. And in reality of it is, this is a hard thing for people as we get older to admit that our cognitive capabilities aren't what they used to be. Sure. That's where the humility is. Or do we even know? Exactly. <laughs> or do we even know? And, and I've talked about this before, how it's it's interesting that how people actually, they become more confident even if they are less competent, oh well, mm-hmm. there, that's the, the gap between competence and yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and even you know, asking them about their living arrangements. Hey, are you guys doing okay getting up and down the stairs? Do we ma- sure. do we need to start shopping for a one floor house? You know, and maybe you need to you know just those kinds of things. Just having those conversations so that you're not dealing with an emergency. You're getting ahead. And think of the, a potential the, the, issue. I think the thing, you know, from a uh, a family standpoint, for the younger people to, to keep in mind is recognize that this is going to be a challenging conversation for your parents because the dynamic has always been that they have taken care of you. Yep. You know, throughout their entire life, and to talk to them about it, going, "Hey, mom, dad, you know what? I wouldn't be where I am in life if it weren't for you. Yeah. I'm okay." helping out. I really mm-hmm. am. It's part it you're robbing me of my blessing is sometimes the way I put it. Mm-hmm. You're robbing me of my blessing if I can't help you out in some way and give back to you in some way. You know, so I think that's something to keep in mind if you're one of the younger people that has that situation with older parents that are listening. Yes, and you know, in we're assuming at this point that the middle family has the resources to help. It may be that you don't have necessarily a it's lot of resources. Possible. It's quite possible. Maybe this conversation yeah. leads to, hey, we move in together to one house. You know, I mean, you you can solve a number of issues, but you need to have the conversation just to see mm-hmm. what you can do. For sure. Uh, then looking at conversations to have with your kids. What do they need to know about your finances? You know, mm-hmm. just like it's awkward for your parents <laughs> to answer the question, now you're the one telling your children, you know, hey, I didn't make much last year or we did well or we were doing fine and we could send our grandkids to college. But then we had COVID and I didn't work for 18 months. Mm-hmm. But let them know the situation that you're in. They so may that, take some pressure off of you yeah. because they recognize that you're, you're yeah. not the gravy train that they Correct. thought you were. Right. And, you know, let them know who let them know who beneficiaries are, all those kinds of things. Um, and you well, know, maybe not. I've, well, you <laughs> I'm, know, I'm joking. I've had <laughs> and where they are, where the paperwork. It's are. interesting. I'm what? I'm not in the will. <laughs> I've had I've had conversations with parents over the years that you know they really don't want to let let the children know. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't go into amounts, which I actually would encourage you to do, but 
if if there is going to be a lopsided distribution within the family, you really want to talk about that before there's the lopsided distribution in the family. Yeah, because sometimes the people that end up <laughs> with the high side of the lopsided yeah. end up not being liked very much. Uh, That's and, correct. And, and, and sometimes it's, there's and, a reason for it. There may be an economic need for one person in the family because of a special yes. need or something that's like why that. You, sure. That's why doing that, you'll have time to explain exactly. why. And yeah. the reason, because yeah. there's reasons. Absolutely. Well, it's like it's like Very arguments, yeah. dis- discussions between spouses is the next topic. But most people already are aware. You're just making it clear. You know, if someone knows this person has six children and these two single people are making a half a million a year, gee, that makes sense for you know the single parent to get a bigger. Dis- it's it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then conversations to have with your spouse or partner. Are you on track? With your budgeting plans um, and, you know, what are the shared goals for your future together? Just revisit what you even want to accomplish. I, I, that, that is what I like. You know, what are the shared goal, goals? Yeah, well, and, and a lot because, of times what happens uh-huh. is one person doesn't want to be involved in the finances and therefore maybe spending at a level that's much different than what they would if they were aware of what yeah. was going on economically in the couple. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say, and it doesn't have to be the male or the female, but one or, one or the other. Sometimes you have somebody that's a financial phobic that's the male. Sometimes the financial <laughs> phobic is, is the female. Yep. Uh, you know, and what happens is they don't know what's going on and they spend at a level and the other one's having a nervous breakdown because mm-hmm. <laughs> too much money's being spent. So it's good to have that conversation. Hey, here's what's actually going on. Right. Yeah. Very few people actually have a Doritos economy in their family of spend all you want, I'll Doritos. make more. <laughs> Oh, thank you. you yes, know, you have to explain. Eat all you want, we'll make more. I have no idea what Doritos you're talking ad. about. What yeah. Doritos? Spend all you want, I'll make more. You know, okay, that's, yeah, help that's me. That's not realistic for most people. Okay, yeah. So is that it? Yeah, that's was that all of them? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so that's an easy conversation. It's not going to take us long to have that conversation at all. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's a couple things. Let the kids know what's going on. Let the kids. We're going. We're going to cut you off. We're going. You're, you're out of the will. You're not going to be well, a beneficiary so, of my IRA so anymore. Evan. And, yeah. Uh, so who is going to who is going to broach the open the conversation? You in, or in, or, this, in uh, our yeah, family uh, or in this article? No, in this article. It's written from the standpoint of oh, the it. middle couple. You know the the, okay. the me and Cindy in this case. Uh-huh. You know, talking okay. to parents or children. Um, but you know, if you're a 25 year old child out there, or you know, we were talking about Charlie Munger earlier. His sure. kids are 75. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, there's nothing wrong with you starting that conversation. And I really, I liked your lead in Paul of, you know, Hey, you guys have done a great job. I'm not waiting for you to kick the bucket. I just, I'm wanting to learn more what's going on in our finances. You know, I think there's ways Mm -hmm. to phrase it. So really anyone in that hierarchy, I think could start the conversation. Because I was just wondering if the parents open up and say, Oh, uh, is there something wrong? Are you dying? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they could. Yeah. Yeah. We never talk <laughs> about anything serious at Christmas time. What are you guys doing? Are you dying? I mean, <laughs> Do you have too much eggnog? Or, you know, what's going on? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know. But, you know, thinking about budgeting, just uh, since we have a teeny bit of time, yeah. you know, Mint shut its doors. What? Wait, 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 wait. I missed that. Did they really? Yeah. So, you know, Intuit bought them several years ago, the same company that does TurboTax yeah. and Credit Karma oh, and Mint. all that. Mint, yeah. Mint, the yeah. software. Mint, yeah. Mint okay. has shut down. Uh-huh. I did not know that. It was either earlier, it was either like two days ago or maybe a month yeah. ago. 
How did I miss um, that one? <laughs> but they just, you know, it wasn't either it wasn't a profitable division for them or they just don't want it. But I was a Mint user. That's how mm-hmm. I tracked the finances because Cindy and I could, you know, check it on the app and we could see what's going well, on. I always said just use the stuff um, that, we, that we have for our – Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I thought it was better, but I didn't know. <laughs> well, yeah. So anyway, it there's a lot of uh, – budgeting programs out there kind of like mint and tracking expenses and so forth so if you're a mint user you probably need to be looking and if you've never tracked your expenses there's all kinds of technology out there to make that process easier whether you're you know if you're client of ours you like can you use our system. a budget or something yeah, like that B-Y-O-B? Y-N-A-B. Y-N-A-B. thank you yeah. Y-N-A-B. that's it thank you yeah, yeah. Um, you need a budget okay there, need there's budget. another one called monarch money yeah wow. um what what is it? Monarch Wonder. money is another one. Um, there's several. Now y- you need a budget costs, but, but it's it's fairly oh, reasonable. None it's of not these much. are more than it's, sixty or seventy bucks. I was going to say I was going to say sixty much. bucks a year is what it seems to me like that, that I remember yeah. that it was. And then I had one client that said that she absolutely it was yeah. the best money that she'd ever spent before. Uh, everyone know. I know that uses YNAB is a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I apparently it's it's pretty good stuff. So. You know, that me, you know, my the way I budget is totally different. It's basically I save a lot. I save everything but gasoline and food. I, and, I save a I, lot and then I spend the rest. That's my budget. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the way. Seriously, it is it's the only way I've ever operated. You would I've never make it in government. I, I would have never made it as a financial planner. No, <laughs> no wait, wait. Save I what did. you wait, what? spend the rest. I didn't make it as what? No, I, I didn't. I, it was... It was that for me, just mm-hmm. saving first and then spending was what was left over. But I know how to budget, obviously. Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've been doing financial planning for 35 years, but it is not how I actually approach it, where I sit there and go, this much for this particular area, that much for right. that particular area, that much. But apparently, it works fairly well for people that like that discipline or even people that don't like it, that discipline. It does. Um, I tend to budget like you do. And so I like. Uh, Mint and I, I mean, I download all my bank records every month into, you know, Quicken anyway. Mm-hmm. I like to know where the money has gone and keep an eye on variance reporting. I mean, I, this yeah, goes I mean, back to consulting days, approach. but you know, you know, the historian approach, you know, kind of look back and yeah, see like, where it went. Wow, a lot of that's eating out. That's a waste of money. You know, I can do this. <laughs> sure. I do like to see where it went. But, but in my, my thought process, I don't know, this will put some people at ease, but my thought process is always if I'm saving. A percentage yeah. that is reasonable for my goal to retire with dignity, then if I want to blow it on new cars versus a used car sure. or eating out, which I don't ever eat out, uh, we're, we're, well, we did <laughs> we did this week. I mean, for once in like a very long period of time, uh, but it's very unusual that I do that kind of thing. But that's kind of the way I've operated my life is to go, yep. go save first and then spend what's left over. That was a la John Savage in the 1980s. <laughs> I stick to well, my if, 10, 10, 10. If you want to scare yourself before Christmas, <laughs> go into whatever system you use and sort by how many Amazon purchases you've made oh, in no, the you last three You don't months. want to know that. You don't want to know that. <laughs> and Paul Winkler, Investor Coaching Show, Super Talk 997 WTN. Evan Barner along with Arlene Brown. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. 
So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything that we do is fee-only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right. We're back here on the Investor Coaching Show. Paul Winkler, Evan Barnard, Elaine Brown. We were talking about well, we came out of Thanksgiving, yeah, turkey stuff, right? <laughs> I'm in a meeting and uh, Chad is talking to one of our clients and he's talking about, yeah, I kind of like, you know, thing that some, I heard somebody talk about, you know, when you're taking income from your portfolio, don't kill the goose that lays the egg. And, you know, he's, he's talking about that and says, you know, the thing is, and it was a pitch mm -hmm. for an investment product, like a maybe dividend, dividend paying stocks, stocks or, or, yeah. or, you know, interest, you know, owning bonds that kick off the interest and kick off interest and kick off interest, but you're never going back and taking the principal. Right. Yeah. And this is the pitch. And we had to explain, and this is basically, a sales pitch you're hearing and and uh chad goes you know he says and chad's you know he's, he's very folksy right <laughs> yeah you know he's got the country boy kind of thing and he goes well you know it's kind of like this <laughs> it's kind of like if you got a bunch of eggs and imagine that your chicken keeps laying eggs and then he, progressively the eggs keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and eventually you just have to kill the chicken eat the chicken <laughs> And I was like, I was like really funny because what he was talking about is, of course, if you have the same interest payment or the same dividends coming year after year after year after year, right? The purchasing power of the dollar keeps going down. Your right. egg gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and then eventually you do have to eat the chicken. You have to go in and, and spend down the principal if you're going to live, right? And I, I looked at him. I go, I'm so stealing that. That is brilliant. That's brilliant. Uh, so defense stocks benefit from war renewing ESG debate for everyday investors. <laughs> so the whole idea of environmental, social governance, and and they had this guy in this article in the Wall Street Journal. He comes across a tweet about U.S. weapons manufacturers last month that prompted him to investigate the stocks in his retirement account. He discovers that his 401k contributions were held in a target date fund that owns shares of military contractors such as Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman. 30-year-old mathematician Cambridge, Massachusetts, disapproves of companies involved in nuclear weapons and controversial munitions that are restricted under international conventions. He moved most of his money into one of the only index funds available in the 401k that was basically an ESG fund that didn't hold any weapons. So he thought, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, you know, no weapons. So my question is this. Does this guy, like, lock his car? <laughs> I mean, does he do something to protect himself from people that are evil? My guess is he probably does. And what yeah. is a defense contractor making stuff to protect a country from evil? Number one. Number two, if you look at these <laughs> country, these companies that are talked about here, and you say, well, you know, what are these these companies? Because they're talking about these companies that he wants to avoid companies that are involved with nuclear weapons and controversial munitions. Uh, he's talking about number Lockheed Martin. What do they do? High end fighter jet jet fighter. Yeah. You know, aircraft. 
um, you know, they have two thirds of the revenue from the F-35, mm-hmm. you know, an airplane to protect against somebody that may be not necessarily doing beneficial things to the United States. Right. Uh, he lives in a country that only is a country as long as he has somebody defending that country, right? Evan, go, man. So, um, well, <laughs> you're, you're trying I know, to read me to a dog. You're, I know. You're trying I get to it. apply logic. Of course, as soon as you said Cambridge, Mass., I'm like, okay, he either went to MIT or Harvard or Boston College. You yeah. Know? But, um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of times uh, when we talk about um, people that are afraid of, you know, worried about the government. And he's talking about defense stocks, but I wonder if he uses a bank account that's insured by the FDIC, which is the biggest consumer of defense products. You know, the government buys all of this stuff. Does he use a government bond (laughs) that buys jets and planes and ships and all that? Good point. I mean, yeah, so the reality of it is kind of like with socially conscious investing. You can't avoid evil. Sin is sin. Yeah, it really is. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. You want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.